Welcome to the Progression Health Podcast. I'm here with Spencer Basson. Spencer, do you want to introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah, so uh, my name is Spencer Bassett. I've been, over the past three years, I started a YouTube channel that was mostly based around kind of like philosophy, psychology called Thoughts on Thinking. And um, over a period of time, I kind of developed that into wanting to create a kind of consultation service, coaching around like problems that most people deal with, stuff like, you know, procrastination, uh, time management, and other aspects of like psychology like union psychology and uh basically we do one-on-one work working with people one-on-one and uh that's it at the moment and um and yeah nice so so what would you say you specialize in out of all those areas that you mentioned in terms of the work you do on a one-to-one basis yeah i'd say like procrastination is the big one uh, because i think it it merges into a lot of other things as well at the same time. So it's, it's very much a, a banner term with a lot of other kind of issues within psychology because obviously it features time management. It features a lot of things to do with bad habits, habit, habit formation psychology because with procrastination, usually the problem is is that it's it's the accountability that doesn't exist there to push that person through or at least the accountability is missing and then the coach comes into into their lives in a sense and allows the accountability to uh push them forward with the the thing that they're, they're struggling with so it's usually accountability time management bad habits habit formation psychology and um procrastination in general and then i'm also tapping into a lot of Jungian psychology aspects as well like shadow work because we're going to talk about quite a bit because um that also is massively featured within it but it's like a, a kind of like an extension or a, a different breed of psychology with with Carl Jung and all of that. Nice. So, in terms of like health and health habits, you know, I think in my own experience, if I have like a tough workout coming up, that's when procrastination really kicks in, and I'm like, mm. I start to tell myself, oh, I'm preparing. I need to take extra time to prepare, for example. But really, when it comes down to it, I'm just procrastinating. You know, so. Yeah. In your opinion, what's going on there and how could someone who struggles with procrastination around exercise or, or a health habit, how could they kind of work through that? Yeah, so there's there's a lot of different models you can kind of take with procrastination. So one that I've kind of been delving into a little bit recently is the idea that there's three forms of yourself on a time frame. So you kind of have your past, present and future self. And then... A lot of the time, people are, when it comes to procrastination, it's usually a, a kind of a, a loop or a cycle between their past and present self rather than their present and future self. So it's like the present self of you today with someone who's procrastinating is often always going back to past experiences, past judgments of themselves uh, to reaffirm them not to do the thing that they want to do today to get it out of the way or the thing that they want to do to kind of push forward with their plan and a lot of that is steeped in many different fears of judgment fear or many different fears really and um usually it's that kind of cycling so like for example if you're saying uh, potentially like let's say you're 
for you doing a marathon or, or a big extensive run, the procrastination might kick in for someone in that instance, because maybe they would be kind of thinking about their past more to reaffirm what's going on in their present day. Let's say if someone who's never done a marathon before and they're, they're coming up to doing it now. And, uh, but the fact that they have never done it before, there's that big area of uncertainty. So there's a fear of, un uh, fear of judgment from other people. There's a fear of uncertainty itself, which is going to reaffirm maybe not doing what they want to idealistically do. So it's, uh, it's something that stops and comes in the way. And a lot of the time when it comes to working around that, it's, it's more of a philosophical matter of mindset because it's, it, it's more about knowing thyself, which is a big Greek kind of term, which I, I think, I think is more fundamental with a lot of this stuff to, to understand yourself and how you mentally compartmentalize things within your life so that you can kind of unravel it and kind of work through those issues. Yeah. Very interesting. So, can you think of any kind of client or personal examples of this in, in practice where someone was like, they got to know themselves or you got to know yourself better and you maybe work through a plateau or a procrastination kind of challenge? Yeah. So at the moment, um, I'll give you a small example, but this is a new client I've got on at the moment. And a lot of the things that he mentioned recently where I'm going to be doing a more extensive talk with him today is uh, his behaviors. Um as, sub, as forms of sublimation, which is a defense mechanism within psychology. So sublimation is when, let's say you have a guy who's very frustrated with his boss and he wants to take something out on his boss, but what he ends up doing is he ends up sublimating that energy into going to the gym and really working the bag really well. So that's kind of like sublimation. So he's uh, he's avoiding, it's, it's, a, it's basically a defense mechanism where he's avoiding an action to, to into a more acceptable action socially right so but with this individual it was more like this person was dealing with uh trying to work so you say you'd be drinking a lot which is obviously a big health problem so you know uh, drinking out a lot with his friends and then putting a lot of his free time into kind of just dumping his dopamine cycles into uh, social media and YouTube and stuff like that. And he was like, I, I feel like I'm only working at a 30% rate at work. He wants to up his work ethic. He wants to make it more efficient. But the problem at this in this instance is, he, is he's kind of trapped in putting a lot of his uh, kind of energy into that which isn't most suitable for him so he's kind of sublimating what he really needs to work through into these other outlets that are not as good good for anyone really to really have a proper break so it's kind of like someone who's a workaholic uh, or has like superman syndrome in the sense that they work a lot or they overwork themselves but they don't really take care of the fact that they need to actually have proper breaks in the day uh, and and the fact that they don't take that into account causes this kind of this sublimation or this kind of uh, change of behavior, which isn't really as efficient as it could be. So that that type of thing needs to be mended, and then like the habits of that need to be reformed. So that individual like needs to understand 
how habit formation psychology works in a behavioristic way so that they can readapt what that issue is into something that's more efficient for themselves. But that's got a lot to do as well with people who simply just don't look after themselves on a more leisurely basis when they're always working because we're in such a workaholic kind of culture. So someone could have a, a life stress, a work stress, mm. and just kind of overuse this tool of work, working hard, and maybe get fitter physically or stronger physically or maybe improve their nutrition. But whatever issue that came up originally is still there. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still there. I mean, you have it with as well, like even like, a, let's say, this is a big thing with health. And I don't think a lot of people tapped into this with, the idea of shadow work so the idea of shadow work basically is the idea that uh, well shut the shadow in the union sense is parts of yourself that you've experienced that you repress and avoid from yourself and that you don't really observe introspectively anymore so you kind of avoid it and metaphorically it's the idea that you know you have a shadow and it follows you around but you don't see it because you're doing whatever you're doing for your own body on a, on a daily basis but um that idea so you have the idea of that and then the big thing that is in relation to health of this is people who don't uh, observe their emotions right so if you have trapped emotions that can lead into a lot of issues as well because if you have trapped emotions then you are maybe you're, you're going to of course sublimate those trapped emotions into uh, avoidant uh behaviors so maybe overworking over exercising overeating um so to, to not deal with those emotions that you have and to avoid them and that of course is all health-based and of course if you're if you're someone who finds it difficult to approach those emotions and, and see them for what they are that can that can develop into all sorts of stuff like hypertension um hypervigilance there's these different forms of behavior or where your body is going to have to adapt to the fact that you are pushing something away from yourself because a, a, a famous quote that Carl Jung says is you know what you resist persists so if you resist something it's going to keep, keep persisting in inside your own mind and your psyche and your body in a different way because you're not accepting what it is to observe it and that's a big thing with I think a lot of people I mean, I don't think many people in healthcare really go into that Jungian idea of, sh of the shadow, repression, mostly, uh, in relation to actual physical health. But I do think it's a big thing because I'm sure things to do with heart attacks, cardiovascular, coronary artery disease, all sorts of stuff like just uh, stress itself is heavily related to repression of certain things that we don't want to deal with. So if I'm hearing you right, someone could, you know, exercise regularly, look after their health, do all these kind of, mm. we'll call them micro habits, but the kind of the bigger things of their emotions that they feel on a day-to-day -day basis aren't being dealt with. So it's like, there's only so much improvement to their health they can make mm. when they haven't dealt with these emotions. Is that kind of fair to say? Absolutely. I mean, um, if someone is over, because the thing is you can have certain people that work out too much or they overwork themselves. So you have, like I said, the example of uh, Superman syndrome, where people just work, work, work all the time. They don't really give themselves a break. 
or they over exercise or they you know overeat or all these types of things these are kind of behaviors to uh distract the individual from other things that are more uncomfortable so definitely your health's definitely limited if you don't holistically in some way kind of approach yourself in the best way possible with dealing with these certain emotions wherever they may be because I'm I'm only recently kind of trying to develop like a program for shadow work or what would be better called what would it be better called for which is uh, reconciliation reconciliation with yourself because it's more so there's a lot of misconception with the shadow work stuff people say oh it's integrating your dark side and all of this type of thing but this is like a uh, it's it's all very an amoral approach to the idea because it's a very spiritual idea and people put a lot of these interpretations onto it but it's mostly just integrating that which you have avoided from yourself which is mostly trauma so a lot of stuff like childhood trauma and then the categories of how that formulates which i've been working on quite a bit as well uh which i'm trying to term the trinity of the shadows so there's like three parts of the shadow that cause shadow content so things like when you're younger if you experience gaslighting disencouragement and um what was the other one gaslighting disencouragement and neglect if you experience things like that that can cause things to be repressed within yourself depending on your experience and because of that you then kind of have these parts of yourself that you've experienced that are hidden away that you then probably later on will have to approach again uh, to kind of integrate it back so that you do so that you overcome that problem so a lot of things with neglect disencouragement cause a lot of things to do with the shadow so for example if you're a child and you're never encouraged to do something you're going to have very low confidence you're going to struggle a lot with dealing with certain things or, or being your own person who puts yourself forward in life or just simply pushing yourself into into situations that are, are uncertain so, to, so that you have your own courage and um usually if someone has experienced very little encouragement in their early life then it's uh usually there is a big confidence issue within themselves and they have to build that up for themselves because that's part of their shadow, which is kind of being disregarded in a sense. This is fascinating work. Very, very interesting. So you're making me think of dealing with difficult emotions and like meditation and exercise. Mm. So where would meditation fit in? Because obviously you have to sit with yourself and there's the quote, it's like, uh, some quote something along the lines of like the biggest failing of man is his uh, difficulty sit to sit with his own emotions in a, in a oh yeah room. yeah so yeah is is meditation a treatment and is exercise a potential treatment or is it simply like the therapeutic approach that kind of you know old school uh, sitting down on a uh, a couch and you know yeah. getting to grips with your emotions with a therapist yeah I mean I would say it's a mixture of of all those because. I would say less so the kind of traditional psychoanalytic approach because I think the more I've kind of looked into psychoanalysis, uh, the DSM-5, uh, all of that stuff, psychological labeling, people like Thomas Saz who talks about how mental illness is not real, 
because of psychological labeling and the effects of labeling itself onto people and how that conditions people is a big thing. So, um, but exercise and meditation, things like that, that's a lot within um, like cognitive behavioral theory. So uh, CBT therapy. Um, and that's very relevant for a lot of stuff like that. So journaling obviously is a big thing. And journaling is basically a form of meditation because it's a form of introspection. So if you're interested, if you're having introspection or retrospection and you're and you're thinking deep on these things and journaling of course meditation is going to be very useful because I, th I think that's mostly the formula for most of these things is to actually observe these feelings and you know because you can't really cure anything unless you see it first you have to be able to see it first to cure it or to at least reconcile it and i think the big problem with um so even psychoanalysis or psychiatry is that the problem of i mean this is a big problem in america as well with the whole kind of categorizing people's identities with terminology that developed from psychiatry and then people falling into that with a victim mentality so like people say oh i have ocd or I have bi uh, bipolar personality, or I have anxiety disorder, or I have, you know, all of these terms. The sad thing that really frustrates me when I see it is people fall into these categories with a victim mentality of, uh, uh, of, of the categorization put on their personality as, as that which overcomes them, rather than them overcoming it, which, which is annoying because... It's the psychiatrists or even the people who, you know, big farmer and stuff like this that kind of promote that mindset because no one is really trying to work through, work with people to allow them to push through it so that they aren't on medication that really they don't need to be on. So a lot of medication, like people are over-medicated in America insanely. There's one thing I know it's massively when I come in here is, is the medication, but also the supplementation in stores. Like there's so much more supplements because there's so much more stuff here anyway. But there's, the medication is unbelievably it, so much. There's so much medication, over-medication with all sorts of different drugs that you'd have never heard of until you go to America even, especially antidepressants. And um, that's a big problem because it, it limits people's self, uh, their ability to understand themselves. You can't truly understand yourself if you are medicated so much that you can't really sit with yourself because the medication cuts your ability to really actually sit with yourself in a way where you can actually try and hit, go work through these things through these processes of journaling meditation and all of these different methods i mean like a lot of the other stuff i do is um i have created like worksheets that are kind of more based within forms of or strategies of, of ways that you can journal the things to do with self-compassion, uh, different philosophy methods like Socratic questioning, but through a therapeutic method. I mean, a lot of um, a lot of things like role modeling is based within uh, cognitive behavioral theory as well. I mean, um, you have the idea of role modeling certain Stoic philosophers and how they how through their moral compass they would kind of navigate that day and how you would then match up your personality or your ambitions to 
the idolization of those individuals. I mean, that's another thing as well that you can do with some people that is, is very useful, especially if they really like philosophy and they really look up to certain people with uh, great strengths, such as like maybe Marcus Aurelius, Seneca, all those types of individuals. But um, but yeah, to your point, like meditation is very, it definitely fits in with that. But then of course, there's, there's, there's many problems of psychiatry that are becoming very obvious and um, how it's really proving itself to not be a science because and that's a big argument that you have as well within that type of community where they say, well, it's not really a true science. And in a sense, it isn't because the subjective is the objective. Uh, your subjective experience is the objective of how you understand yourself. So science is more about trying to figure out what the objective truth is. But with psychiatry or psychology, the objective truth is the subjective truth because it's well, what you've experienced. So that's a big thing that people don't really realize that much in that field, I, I think. Interesting. Yeah, to your point, I was at the doctor recently about a couple of weeks ago. I took a, a depression questionnaire and, and they recommended based on the result of the questionnaire that I try antidepressants. Mm. And I was I was actually going into that appointment thinking, you know, I want to be healthier. I want like that kind of better mental health. I want to improve my well-being. I hope I get prescribed antidepressants because this is going to help me. Mm. And I kind of thought about it after the fact. And, you know, I spoke to my kind of my community and people I have like mentors and stuff and um, kind of just leaned into community and, and human connection. And that really was what made the difference. I think human connection like really, you know, almost was a, a cure for the depression because I'd actually heard about that as well. You know, some people had mentioned in Portugal, you know, they decriminalized a lot of drugs and they, they focus in, for addiction. They focus on uh, human connection. So I was kind of like, you know what? I'll try and, you know, go a kind of a more of an internal route to improve my mental health. And um, I feel like that's what you're kind of getting at as opposed to reaching externally for supplements or for medication, or for a diagnosis, you're talking about going internal. So how would someone kind of start that process of going internally to improve maybe their physical health? You know, could they do it on their own, or would it require to work with a coach, to work with a therapist, you know, mm. over the long term to see change? Yeah, it really depends, because with the society we live in now, it's like, what level of convenience are we comfortable with? Because it's like, society makes everything so convenient now like you have convenience stores but also you have the fact that psychoactive drugs are, are available so easily it creates this convenience of well i don't need to, to put the responsibility onto myself to actually help myself I, I need to i can i can just put the responsibility onto the doctor and then he acts as the authority figure for me to kind of basically uh submit to in a sense but like um so it depends on what level of uh, comfortability you are at with being living a convenient lifestyle because we all live it, it to some degree a convenient lifestyle because we live in the modern in the modern world but it depends on that and then I'd say like just simply stepping into the gym and just showing up is is the big thing because even with martial arts I was like saying before we started recording this with the BJJ and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu that recently started was it's simply about showing up and just the action of that itself 
is way better than just kind of not committing to it because it's like even reactive behavior is kind of like it's it's not proactive so like if if you want to be proactive you have to think forward in a sense where you make a plan instead of react to a situation that has happened to you so someone for example let's say like uh they haven't had the best diet or whatever and then and then by the fact that they they know that you know that diet themselves that they have that's not good is going to affect them negatively in the future but they keep feeding into that uh let's say really bad diet and then they get something horrible later on of some disease or whatever or some sort of illness that's a, that's kind of like living reactively because at that point when they realize that they've gotten sick they will then react to okay how do i fix myself but if you want to be proactive or live proactively you need to look at right now okay what can i do to stop this and then change it so that i don't actually end up in the situation that i don't want to be in the future that will then actually cause you to change instantly you know so trying to have a proactive mindset as well is super important predetermine what's going to happen to you in the future if you don't change these things that you need to change um for me at least when i started working out i mean i started, I started doing calisthenics back in ireland when i was like 18 in this like barn in the middle of nowhere because i had all this all these things I'd, I'd buy them on online and then try and fill this little cow barn up with all these calisthenic tools and stuff i started that and then that really helped with my own self-perception in the mirror you could say so your own mirror image of yourself because you know like you could say well what what is first physical strength or mental strength which 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 do you need first it's kind of like for me it was like physical strength because as as a you get you then have the ability to ground yourself with a sense of confidence when you when you build something up at least to some degree so um even that is 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 pretty profound when you when you at least start seeing development and the fact that you can like you know contract certain muscles in your back or whatever that that initial kind of feeling of growth is is super powerful i think but um but yeah let, kind of putting your best foot forward in it with a proactive mindset is probably the best way of doing that and i don't think you really need a coach you really just need to kind of see with a good set of eyes of what especially if someone's in a bad state with knowing themselves that they're kind of unhealthy of food and, and being really honest with yourself because again that's that's again in relation to the shadow if you're honest with yourself and you and you don't have an avoidant attitude with relation to things that you're trying to push away from yourself and repress, then that, that's the best way forward. So with your own training, you're just touching on it there. You know, how does it kind of tie into your personal myth? I've seen, you know, you've posted a few times about personal myth on your channel on YouTube, which is mm -hmm. very entertaining. And also kind of symbolism, like what does your training symbolize for you? Mm, yeah. So like um, the symbolism is really interesting because I I kind of intertwine it a lot with religion now because I'm 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 a Christian and I like like I used to be into a lot of spiritual stuff, a lot of kind of new agey stuff, but then I kind of got got away from that because I was just like 
it's not very accountable in the sense of that, you know, the more I was working into spirituality and, and looking into these ideas, the more I realized that it was had a, ve- a very vague moral structure. So morally, it's very um, loose and it can create all sorts of misinterpretations and religion itself, or at least religiosity with, with let's say, um, the main Abrahamic religions. They're a lot more, they have more integrity to themselves. They're much more accountable systems that you can kind of work with. And then when you actually do start to read scriptures of these, of these religions that I don't think most people obviously have read the Bible, but really a lot and very few people have actually read the Bible in totality, like the actual, the full Bible. And there's a lot of wisdom within it that gets very misinterpreted a lot from different types of people and stuff. But one thing I do like about working out and fitness is like um, how in Christianity, there's a, there's a lot of interconnections with it. So this is like glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So it's like glorify God in your body. That's the first thing it says in relation to um, in relation to the temple of God or in relation to how to actually glorify God. So it's saying glorify God in your body. So that's basically for your physical body in some sense. And um, that, that's, that is very, uh, you know, a very affirmative kind of, a message especially when a lot of people say you know oh christianity is very like an anti-life uh, religion I, I hear that quite a lot with like nietzschean philosophy where he's like oh it, uh christianity is kind of like a weak uh religion when it's really not i mean there's a lot of things within christianity that very much affirm strength you know affirms you know, like glorify god in your body by obviously acting out the laws of you know the moral laws of of God uh, talked about in the gospel and the message, uh, the teachings of Christ, and all of this, but also just general strength. You know, it's um, there's a lot of misconceptions with it. So I, I I like intertwining kind of like religion with working out because it gives a heaviness to it. Um, if you have like a philosophy that you want to embody um it's always good to, well it's always good to develop a, a personal myth for yourself a philosophy for yourself because if you really want to embody it it ad- adds a very heavy weight to your own accountability because it's um especially if it's if you're very uh, a certain minded individual where you're you have very strong principles so that's also very good if you want to get into working on your health is that you build up principles that are based in like very strict philosophies that you can ground yourself in that you that you like a lot and there's all sorts of things that you can pick and choose from that which which all very much resemble the same kind of archetypal structural you know following rules and and certain uh principles so that that's also very good for people to kind of steep themselves in if they don't have um let's say it, if they don't have a lot of integrity with themselves when it comes to being consistent, because it's more about consistency. And if you want to try and develop a philosophy around consistency, then it's good to tap into a lot of different philosophies and read them and try and understand how they relate to you. That would definitely help.
that's a very interesting point and, and very relevant for me personally too. So with my own coaching, I've gone from focusing on fat loss, which I feel like a lot of the fitness industry focuses on, you know, getting abs, getting lean to more internalizing fitness and making it more about like, you know, kind of like your mood and your confidence, your, your, your mental health, your mindset, even like, you know, physiological markers, like, you know, your blood glucose, heart rate, fitness levels, all these kind of things. So just internalizing as opposed to, to externalizing. Mm. And I feel like that's kind of what you're talking about. You're talking about having almost like, I feel like a transcendent goal as opposed to, oh, I want to, you know, get fitter so I can have more sex or more money or status oh, or friends. Yeah, so, that's the big, yeah, because it's like, um, I think that's a big movement as well as the aesthetic material movement with uh, bodybuilding. It, it seems to be like getting more popular recently. There's a lot of influences now where this excessive, uh, focus on aesthetics and uh, the addictions that come with fitness as well, which is a paradox, right? You'd think that there's good habits with fitness, but really there's there's loads of bad ha- bad addictions that you can develop with fitness, like steroid use, um, body dysmorphia from steroid use. Uh, there's all sorts of stuff like that as well that, that come into play. And... Um, I think the thing that makes it kind of transcendent with this type of stuff, especially even with martial arts and with physical training is, is if you view or view yourself always with a very strong degree of humility. And this, this relates to the ego as well, because you have ego lifting. Um, but like, um, if you always step into these initiation routines with fitness, martial arts, whatever it is with an air and, an air of humility that's where the real strength is that you can have within yourself because everyone has an ego but they always try and everyone's always trying to battle with their ego in relation to how they're trying to project an image onto other people how they want to be seen by other people how they don't want to be judged in certain ways but if you can really ground yourself in humility when it comes to stepping into the gym for the first time ever stepping into this dojo for the first time ever being humble in the sense that I'm going to learn how to build these techniques and all that stuff. That's the biggest lesson that you can learn because you're always going to fail. You're always going to fail with everything. So if you could be humble and be very, uh, have a lot of humility to yourself and then fail, then you're not always going to be put down and then ultimately really fail when you give up on things because failure is part of the, the progression of life right you have to go through failures to progress and then to grow but if you have a prerequisite of your mindset which is humility then you can never really fail you can never really give up because you expect not expect the worst but you expect to be in a sense not god you know, because that's, that's that's the thing with ego inflation. People believe they're some sort they're their own little demigods of the world or that they believe that they're, you know, very being very boisterous and being very up their own arsenal and this other stuff. So it being humble and learning how to be humble is is super relevant, super important. That's fascinating. So I feel as though yeah, when people are going after the sex, money status, they're trying to become a god. Mm. And when they're focused on something transcendent outside of themselves, 
kind of like I've heard Peterson say before, like before he's kind of changed his tune recently, but, about you know, doing things that are good for you, but everybody else in your life, not just primarily good for you. So I feel as though having a transcendent goal with your, you're working out in the gym or eating better, you're kind of putting yourself to the side and you're sort of, uh, you're being, a, I don't want to say a servant, you're being, uh, you're, you're, it's, you're serving more than yourself. You're serving something outside of yourself. Could you just speak yeah. a little bit more to the difference between improving your health for materialistic values versus a transcendent value? I feel like this is a really important point. Mm, yeah, I mean, even that itself, you have a lot of interesting esoteric ideas around that because of um, within Gnosticism, you have the idea of the Demiurge, which is supposedly this, through their belief system, this God that has trapped humans into the material realm. Um and all of this type of stuff, and there's other gods that are like, oh, we have to escape this trapping of what this god has done to us in this material world and all this type of thing. But what you're kind of saying that way, you're becoming your own god by chasing these material things. It's kind of like becoming your own demiurge god in the sense that you're enwrapping yourself in these material goals, which are ultimately not going to actually be fulfilling, which is very similar to that idea itself, where you're kind of, through that through that worldview becoming that which has trapped you on this earth which is this whole demiurge idea of this it's god that has trapped you in in the material world and all of it but um that's if you believe in that whole gnosticism stuff because there's all these different discrepancies of these different uh, religious views and all of that but um but yeah there's this there's definitely this uh i think i think a lot of that is just down to kind of because that's another thing you had you have a lot of material obsession with certain kind of influence especially in like the the red pill community where you have like the andrew tates and all of this type of stuff where they're like super hyper focused on they have like a good message when it comes to work ethic but then this hyper obsession with materialism that comes from kind of forms of that is very kind of kind of like due to the fact of not having a lot of young guys at least not having good father figures to kind of bring them up in a sense who were who who were like fathers that were really grounded in the earth or working with their hat and 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 being able to learn what it means to uh, have a good work ethic and and not try and strive for these kind of material successes and, and desires and possessions and everything because none of those things are ever going to really uh, uh, give any peace to anyone's mind or really fulfill anyone at the end of the day, I don't think. That's a, that's a key point. The, the materialist values that we have, you know, like I mentioned already, they don't bring long-term peace. Do you have any no. kind of like experience with that or with clients where like they kind of have gone down the, ro- the road of just purely getting healthier just to, to benefit themselves and you know because in my experience I have as well where you know I've been my quote-unquote healthiest or leanest and I've felt my most hollow you know kind of like oh this is all there is at the top of the the quote-unquote mountain you know so do you have any personal experience or, that, or where clients have kind of got their values maybe backwards I mean personal experience um there was a period of time where I was like really super hyper focused on the whole aesthetic thing and I think you can get kind of lost in it a little bit because 
it's like um how would you put it it's like you're focusing way too much on like if people end up focusing on this like whole like material side of it like let's say you're aesthetics and then you reach those aesthetics and then you're like oh wait what was the you you then get this hollow feeling of like oh well i've achieved this then what does that really mean or that was easy or or you know i eventually achieved that and then the, the kind of the meaning of it kind of dissipates into like kind of nothingness but, but that's probably because not taking probably because you're focusing too much on the material outcome of it rather than the other forms of what can come out of that which is general health and a, a strong a strong a good well-being um but um with clients i haven't had any clients where i've been like working on people with who are like have fitness goals and stuff like that but um i have worked with a few clients where they have a lot of material possession um and they have a decent amount of money and there's this kind of loss of purpose loss of navigation for themselves and all this type of stuff especially for there was a one guy I was working with briefly for, for a period of time where he was, he was quite old but he kind of felt trapped within kind of like his past achievements and he didn't really know where to go and he had all of this like renaissance kind of kind of like a very old uh, art all around his house and he, he kind of felt lost in a sense and uh, I didn't work from very for very long time because I felt he wasn't being truly authentic with me he's trying to I don't I don't know what was up with that kind of client there's, there's some sort of discrepancy with him and why he was truly wanting to communicate with me because he was trying to I think what, what the problem with that was in that communication with him is that he was trying to get me to reaffirm something for him to do that he knew deep down wasn't the right thing for him to do which was interesting this kind of like um trying to find uh an excuse for a behavior that's reaffirmed from an authority figure so that they then do it which is weird but um but yeah, I, I haven't I haven't worked with too many people in fitness and stuff like that yet. But I do want to do that eventually when I'm, I kind of develop my build more with fitness. Um, maybe even with martial arts down the road, because uh, there's there's definitely a lot that can be learned from that on a on a def, on a mental level as much as a physical level as well. Yeah, definitely. Like you mentioned, you got, you got the confidence by working uh, on your physical body. So just for your own kind of personal men mental health, you know, what has working on your health, uh, working out done done for your mental health and like what does it kind of continue to do on a daily basis? It's definitely kind of allowed me to sit with myself better. Like I would say um, when I was a lot younger, before I did any working out or anything like that, I would usually always try and predetermine outcomes before doing them and then the worst case scenario type of thing and that's because probably that was kind of like an anxiety thing where I wouldn't be very confident in myself doing certain things and then I'd kind of expect the worst to happen because I would not have strong confidence and all this type of stuff but then obviously working out kind of helps reset that and now like for example when I'm going to the do the BJJ stuff 
um, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is like I'm a lot. I'm just very calm doing it, and I'm very humble. And, and I noticed that for myself that I'm very kind of uh, I sit very well with myself because I've kind of beforehand already pushed myself with the other, with the fitness stuff. I've, I've I've developed this stress tolerance with fitness. So that's another big thing to recognize as well is like when you do fitness, you develop strong stress tolerance and that stress tolerance can then merge in with other things in your own life. So it can merge in with dealing with stresses of other things. And maybe if you have career goals and you're doing interviews with certain job interviews and all of this type of stuff and you have, you have tension around or you're nervous, the working out and doing these things helps relieve that. That's, that's very noticeable with doing a lot of cardiovascular exercises as well. It definitely releases a sense of stress or tension in the body. Um, and that's why I really like a lot of uh, Wilhelm Reich's stuff that I want to delve into more because he talks about organ energy, uh, which is supposed to be his idea of energy in the body and how it moves depending on your, the, the way your psyche works. So he has this idea called body armor, which is kind of like chakras. So for the inversion of chakras, so it's like there's certain tension areas within your body that get built up with tension. He calls it body armor because you're trying, it's your body trying to armor itself from vulnerabilities. So it creates tensions in your body in different areas. So like if someone's very afraid of speaking, they, they get tension in their throat. Or if, there's, if they're in an argument and they don't want to speak up, because maybe they they want to avoid the situation, they get tension in their throat. That's a form of body armor, and you get this in different areas of your body. So it's, it's interesting to look into that as well. Maybe for people who are listening to this, there, there's loads of interesting ideas in relation to kind of like body tension, um, body uh, attention release, but also things to do with like even just in general cardiovascular cardiovascular exercises. And that helps with that a lot. And then obviously the theory behind that or the potential theory behind what that is. Um, and then, and yeah, so that as well, but I feel like working out definitely gives you a sense. That's probably the biggest thing for me is that it's through this stress tolerance of lifting heavy weights and kind of pushing yourself through it, how that kind of, resets and develops your ability to deal with stresses outside of the gym as well which i think is the biggest thing i think that's super important so through strengthening your physical body mentally you're more resilient by the sounds of it yeah definitely yeah it's like um you create resilience through your mind for, by training and that's why i'd probably say like physical strength is probably the best way to go forward with that because you're kind of uh, hitting two birds with one stone because you're like, but you're getting the strength and the physical strength, but also you're getting the, the resilience of having to push through the workout, which is itself just mental resilience, if anything, which is the big thing. I love that. You're killing two birds with one stone. That's yeah, yeah. a really good sound for exercise or for physical exertion. So just going into the uh, Brazilian, Brazilian jiu-jitsu versus working out in the gym, what do you get from, you know, one you don't get from the other? And, you know, why did you start doing the jujitsu? The jujitsu. So my girlfriend started doing it 
over here and I, I just wanted to start doing it anyway. I wanted to really get into like Muay Thai really because I feel like it's most practical to real world situations and um, exerting your body in that kind of way I feel is very uh, effective with dealing with different things and kind of just developing developing more confidence within yourself because people can develop confidence with working out but if they're really confronted with a nasty situation or if they're confronted with an atmosphere where they feel like they're threatened uh the working out is not really going to do much for you to an extent because if you feel like you're going to get in a, in a fight or something or you're going to get attacked or whatever it is or you feel an atmosphere of tension in the air between other people then combat is definitely or martial arts or something like that is definitely going to help you be more comfortable with yourself in that situation because you're taking on the responsibility of being able to defend yourself so that's a big thing why i wanted to get into it was the air of confidence it brings through that so it's kind of taking on more responsibility for yourself um and then also i mean the other benefits of it are a lot of them are psychological i'd say um there's a lot of interesting dynamics psychological dynamics that go on in martial arts uh that are very similar to just uh, like psychology terms as well so like things like projection because uh, when you're going into a space where you're very vulnerable or that you should be going into where you're very vulnerable you have this fight between your your true self and your ego you could say and then this is one thing i noticed so when you go to, to this uh if you go to a dojo and then you're kind of like the first person there and there's all these other people that are getting training they're different belt ranks and everything they're going to project things onto you and you're going to project uh, thoughts onto them through your ego to protect yourself from from kind of being vulnerable right so maybe there might be a, an air of gossip and i think that i think that's what that really is when the ego gets in the way of true self-development there is like this air of gossip that develops which is kind of kind of features people's uh attempts to avoid uh judgment so that they so that they then become like attackers of people's kind of like uh you kind of like have attackers and defenders within that kind of air of gossip like so for example let's say you went into a dojo or whatever and you're a new guy and then there's these other people with higher belt ranks and their ego or their identity is attached to that ranking which is the difficulty of the whole pro- progression of the the, uh, the martial arts stuff they they might like start picking on that one person's like oh he's a newbie or he's this he's probably not very good or whatever or you know maybe there might be this kind of tension or where or in the situation of someone going to their gym ego lifting that's kind of like someone trying to defend their own ego from judgment uh from the gaze of other people because they're like oh i'm gonna try and really lift heavy but they can't really lift it in good form but they're trying to defend their ego from the judgment of other people because with other people, he might, that person might be feeling within that air of gossip that all oh, those other people are looking at me and they're, they're judging me, thinking that I'm weak or whatever. So you have the ego lifters who are like trying to like, oh, I can, I want to try and prove myself to other people, even though 
it's it's not adequate it's not it's not authentic it's not authentic uh, communication so it's like there's this interesting dynamic of gossip that you're contending with within doing kind of like athleticism or martial arts that you have to work through and it's always going back to humility because as soon as you, the ego if it gets in the way um of any of these things it basically cuts off your progress of actually developing any skills so like um if your ego gets in the way of doing martial arts it cuts off your ability to get any to develop your skills because you're not going to be vulnerable to learn new new uh ways of defense new kind of ways of taking people down chokeholds uh submissions you're not going to learn new ways of doing things because you have a certain belt rank that might be higher than the other people in the dojo or you might um just develop this kind of air of confidence which isn't at the level of what the black belt is like because you have the white belts and then you have the black belts and it's like um the only difference between a white belt and a black belt is just the fact that they just showed up every every day like there, there isn't really anything else and um i think that's also the the progression of learning martial arts is dealing with uh is 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 the practice of always falling back into vulnerability and develop own that how that is the only way to really develop your skills because you can only learn because you're being taught by a sensei you're being taught by someone who's got a black belt who has a lot of experience as soon as you start identifying with certain movements that you commit to when trying to do grappling with someone and you develop habits and then you don't keep yourself vulnerable in situations like that then you're going to consistently cut yourself off from further development i think and i think that's the big thing with that is it's always comes back to vulnerability learning to be humble always coming back to humility and vulnerability with with that stuff but I want to talk about the shadow, but I think ego lifting is a, a useful example. Yeah. So, you know, based on my understanding, could someone be sort of not willing to experience the vulnerability of not feeling, you know, impressively strong or, you know, excessively like having this crazy strength that they can't kind of humble themselves to the level of strength that they're actually at. And they're, mm. they're sort of, they haven't done like maybe the necessary shadow work to, to lift at the level they're at. Yeah. Is that a useful way to kind of look at the shadow? And can you just kind of give your own interpretation of the shadow? Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Um, like with the ego lifter, it's like, yeah, they may be at that position where they're like, well, I don't want to be, uh, they, they want to avoid the difficulty of working through the ability to actually achieve what they want. So they want, so maybe the ego lifter basically wants the outcome but doesn't want to put the work in but at the same time they know deep down that they're not getting the outcome that they want because they're not putting the work in so they because they so they know that because their form's terrible or whatever it is but um so that's a good way of looking at it so it's again because it, it, it always links back to this thing of the shadow featuring things that you're avoiding and i'd say that's a good way of looking at it think of like avoidant behavior and then all of those behaviors that are avoidant behaviors, what are they avoiding? And the thing that they're avoiding is the, the, the tension that you have with 
that which you don't want to kind of look at properly. Um, that's where you get a lot of defense mechanism strategies that you have in psychology as well, um, like sublimation, reaction formations. Um, most defense mechanisms are in relation to your shadow, I would say, because you're it's always avoiding something else. So it's with the ego lifter, he's always avoiding putting in the work. He's always avoiding that. He wants something. He wants it easy. But also you could have other dynamics with that as well. Someone could be ego lifting because they feel intimidated by someone else. So that they, they feel like they might have to prove their strength to someone else in in a way that isn't the best way they can. You know, so there, there's always these these difficulties with it. And I'd say that is the biggest thing within sports as well, is that people are constantly projecting onto each other, especially in competition. And um, that's probably where the biggest fight is. Because even with boxing, you have that. that that's like 80% of the game is the build-up to a fight and getting into the mind of the other individual and how badly that then affects their their actual ability to perform on the night when they when they're fighting so there's so much psychological stuff that goes on within sports there's a big side of it i think and i think there's people that even specialize in that which is sports psychology and actually coaching sportsmen or sportswomen with uh ways of through psychology so that they understand how psychology works within um, sports and sportsmanship so that they have a, a better psychological security against projection that then gets put onto them from other people. Yeah, I had a, an interesting episode with a sports psychologist previously, Hugh Gilmore. He, he got into routines and how that can help you to kind of, it feels like almost stay with your authentic self as opposed to getting caught up in the drama of the, the, um, the moment or the event. Mm. And, and just with the shadow as well, I'm thinking for nutrition. So it's, it's typically advised that, you know, kind of slower is better in a dieting phase, for example, if someone's trying to get lean, right. But I, yeah. I think a, a common mistake people make is they try and do like a crash diet and they go like no carbs, keto, intermittent fasting, all in the one or something crazy. And they kind of avoid doing the work. Would that be an example of shadow, you know, kind of the shadow kind of appearing or not doing shadow work because they're sort of avoiding the hard work of, showing up for multiple weeks or even months in a diet phase, they're trying to cram it into like two weeks and just kind of get the, the a fast result. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'd go to the extent that it's uh, that, because uh, I only like using that, that kind of term with something that's really kind of bothering an individual on a really deep level. But you could say it's in some sense, like in that kind of term, like shadow related, because well, you could say it's more from living a convenient life within our routine or in a Western world. So it's like if we see things as having a degree of convenience to them, then we're going to try and apply ourselves uh, towards a convenient uh, kind of like routine. So it's like, OK, I'm going to just try and like apply apply this diet in a very quick way and expect results very quickly because there's this diet that I can do that says that it can get me to this result very quickly and all this type of stuff. It's all very convenient um, 
kind of pathways to success and you have that with everything you have that with people who release like like the thing is what i hate about modern day books today is that modern books or modern book writers a lot even within like a self-development self-help books always trying to sell like very quick kind of like outcomes to or quick success routes even have that with like financial kind of books and stuff because there's always this kind of catch of like always oh, you know it might be convenient so therefore i can i can get that reward or, or achieve that success really quickly when it's usually not like that at all um so i'd say it's like a symptom of living a convenient lifestyle rather than a symptom of maybe like some sort of shadow aspect but you could say the shadow is steeped in the modern psyche of men and women today is like it's steeped in convenience so we expect a convenient uh, process to be there for us so that we could grasp it and then that itself takes away our own um our own ability to be consistent and um tenacious with things it probably takes a lot of that away from us because then we just we fall into that kind of that that short-term mindset or that gratification uh, mindset of just being someone who's you know sitting on the couch eating fast food who's who's expecting things to be conveniently uh, put uh, brought to them for entertainment purposes dopamine all of that type of stuff yeah the the hard work that's where the growth happens really um, yeah an interesting post related to, to hard work is that you have is uh master the art of failure and success will become inevitable so could you just mm. talk about you know that post and mastering the art of failure and why kind of sounds counterintuitive it's like why would you you know inevitably become successful by failing yeah so it's like it, it's dependent on people's perception of failure so like when i'm talking about so like Tom Platts, if people have heard of him, it's kind of it's kind of like funny that guy because he's like a crazy bodybuilder guy. He's like known really uh, well for his like insanely big legs, but um, he would always like say, you know, train to failure to to the point where your muscles fail. Like just train till you fail. Like in, not in the sense of like failure is in oh I haven't been able to do this thing or I can't do it or whatever or that I failed on this test or whatever, but in the sense of like like bodybuilding or uh, fitness you fail by working out your muscles so successfully so you you so it's, it's like paradoxically this thing where it's like you actually achieve success by failing your body through by by working out so hard and all this other thing and then you get the result but it's the same thing with failure uh in the sense of what i was talking about with um uh, being vulnerable and being humble. I think there's a misconception of failure and humility. So a lot of people view uh, success in a kind of misconstrued way. So like failure, to me, that because because we're always encountering failure, it's like a philosophical thing, like failure is necessary for growth, right? So what is required for growth to accept failure is to be humble so that you learn and being humble is kind of like the gateway of learning the most possible or being 
uh, open to learning the most possible. So having that kind of humility to yourself is kind of the gateway to learning the most from any kind of uh, failures. Because a lot of people could perceive failures as doing something incorrectly. So like if you're uh, training, uh, let's say, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or whatever, and you're and your ego's in the way, and you keep trying to take someone down into or doing a certain throw, and you keep getting it wrong. But the fact that you're not, if you if you went into doing that with a, a an air of humility and expectation of not getting it right or failing at that process of or that exercise or that movement, then you already expect failure. So then you're already going to adapt to that by just simply not reacting emotionally to what you're doing so that's another big thing as well is like you can react emotionally to getting frustrated with things that are not going your way because you're kind of failing the 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 process of it but if you if you always step your forward with humility then you're never going to uh, emotionally react as much and then actually give up on the thing itself like uh, i was looking at a good phrase or a good verse in the Bible is probably my favorite one uh, within the Bible is uh, is the is the symbolism of the snake and the dove that is used uh, within uh, the um, the verse uh, "Be wise as a serpent uh, and innocent as a dove." There's this kind of interesting play between opposites. I think it's super relevant for the idea of humility, but also um, you know, th- this idea of wisdom and gentleness or wisdom and innocence is that it's like, how could you put it? It's like a, it's like the perfect balance of what a, a very uh, whole individual should be. It's like, um, and I, I believe that that's like the totality of martial arts is that there's there's this strong sense of wisdom that you develop by developing the movement. And then there's that strong sense of gentleness or being gentle as a dove or innocent as a dove by not being the person person that is the attacker, but always being the person who who falls back into self-defense. So you develop that strong sense of ability and skill, but then you develop that strong sense of uh, gentleness at the same time, which is like basically the whole Christian uh message you could say within christianity but it's also in martial arts as well to some extent i think because uh, as long as it's rooted in self-defense it's it's basically that that's super interesting uh, as well with the symbolism and like the personal myth in relation to myself with uh, religion and um kind of seeing uh how that interlinks with fitness and all these other things yeah, you've kind of internalized your fitness journey. You've you've made it into your own personal story as opposed to like, oh, this person on Instagram is doing this cool thing. I'm gonna yeah. adopt that too. Yeah, that's that's super important. Like it, internalizing. If you if you can get the fitness into your personal myth by exploring the things that you're interested in, then it's super important. Like idolizing someone online, it's always going to it's always gonna kind of not work because you're it's not part of your identity. If, it, if it's part of your identity, then it's an inevitable development that you're going to have. Um, 
I guess it's it's learning what that means for it to be part of your personal myth because you really have to do go on like a journey of like self-discovery with yourself and being authentic with yourself which takes time because like to certain people where they're like they're just not themselves because they have certain friends that they're very close with and then them friends kind of you know they could be like a people have people pleaser syndrome or something and then they don't really they're not as authentic as they could be with other people let alone themselves so it can be difficult to develop that uh that kind of uh, adventure for oneself or that hero's journey, you could say, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, to learn from your own experience and what's authentic to you as opposed to your peers. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Spencer, this has been brilliant. Thank you very much for your time. Is there any kind of final message you want to mention or links you want to point people to, things you have coming up? Yeah, I mean, um, if people are interested in any of the work or any of the things I've said here, like, and you want to check out further work that I've been doing, I have a fairly big YouTube channel called Thoughts on Thinking, which is the main kind of name I go under, which is mostly kind of like extensions of a lot of things I'm talking about here. But a lot of things have been psychology, philosophy that kind of interlink and talk about to create kind of insightful conversation. And then, of course, if people are interested in the uh, one on one like coaching stuff that I do or they or they simply want to look into what free services I offer with. Kind of like discovery calls uh free kind of pdf books and stuff like this then you can check that out as well on my instagram i go by like thoughts on thinking at thoughts on thinking and um uh you could find everything else from my youtube channel which is again youtube at thoughts on thinking and um yeah that's it really yeah brilliant thanks very much and i'll attach yeah, thank you thank you for inviting me